do give our life to you, especially this time of year. Because even though we know it all year long, it just seems more real mm. when everybody is worshiping you and praising you for what you've done. Lord, we do. We give our life to you. And you changed us. We're no longer the same people we used to be. As Jesus said, you must be born again. Our lives have changed. We no longer cling to this world. We have a light embrace on it. We cling to you like Mary did on that Resurrection Sunday, the greatest Sunday in history. Lord, we cling to you. Father, the prophets said, Isaiah, to be specific, he said, let it come and let us reason together. Though our sins be as red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they shall be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Lord, our sins have scarred us, but you redeemed us. And we thank you, Lord. We celebrate it this time of year, but we Christians who really know you, we celebrate it all year long. We know that we're not worthy. We're not worthy to come into your kingdom except by the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Lord, we come in Jesus' name today. Come before your throne boldly as your saints, as your citizens in the kingdom of heaven. Not because what we have done, but because what you have done. Lord, today, this weekend, let many people come into your kingdom, Lord. Let them embrace you instead of embracing this world. And may you become the king of their life. To you be the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody, online. You may be seated, everybody, in church. Um, for those of you online, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. We're glad you're there. I know some of you just tuned in. So um, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm the Pastor Joe Trapani. We're in, in Lantana, Florida, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. We're here every Thursday night, 715, every Sunday at um, at, tw at 10 o'clock. So this Sunday we'll be here at 10 o'clock. We are having communion since it's uh, what I like to call it Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, as many people put it. We're going to have communion. For those online, we'd love you to join us, have communion with us. So on Sunday, if you can't make it to church, um, you know, you can tune into our program. You can have communion with us. Get yourself a cracker and uh, some juice and we can, we can worship the Lord together and have communion. So um, for those online, again, our website is Freedom Church PB, stands for Palm Beach, dot org, freedomchurchpb.org. And you can check us out, what we believe in, you know, where we're located. You can find out our ministries. You can listen to any messages from years back. You can even donate online. It's a full service a website. 
maybe not the best or in the world, but it's, it's beautiful. It was great for us, and we just love it. So anyway, um, for, for uh, everyone out there, you know, um, you were very local. You know, come on by. Many people have walked the church. Many people didn't know Jesus, walked in the door, and now they know Jesus. Some of them walked in the door, they know they found Jesus, or Jesus found them, and now they're with him, and that is cool, huh? You know, they were headed down the wrong path, and God corrected them and, and called them into the kingdom, and what a beautiful thing. And thank you, Lord. We can't do it. It's your Holy Spirit that does it all. Um, for everybody online also, if there's some men out there, we have a Bible study, men's Bible study every Saturday at, at 9 a.m. Every Saturday at 9 a.m. we have a good bunch of guys. It's not huge, the group, but we have another pastor from another local church in the area. We have um, uh, other people that stop in here and there and people from this church. So we have a good time together. And we're, we're actually, it's not me teaching all the time. Matter of fact, I haven't taught in a long time. The guys, I'm, we're discipling these men and these younger guys to teach, to preach, and to teach the gospel by I'm giving them opportunity to teach on Sunday. And if there's anything that needs corrected, I, you know, we do correct them. There's two, there's two, um, uh, three. Actually, there's three people in that group that have been through um you know, Bible studies or Bible, uh, what can I say, uh, theology studies so that we know what we're, we're doing here. So praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Anyway, to, uh, to have that many people in one little group that, that really dig into the Word of God. We're not only believers, we're disciples. And that's a huge thing. You know, Jesus turned the world upside down using 11 disciples, and then Paul was added later. So, so you know, he turned the world upside down. That's we find that in the book of Acts. And it's true. So you don't have to be a church of 20,000. You could be a church of 20 and win more people over to Christ. So that's what we are. Anyway, we're a full gospel Bible-preaching church. So we're glad you're here. Listen, I, I asked for those online, I'm going to be in, in Matthew chapter 28 on Sunday. You know, we teach mostly expositionally here, sometimes topical. Tonight, we're in John chapter 19 and verse 30. I did say 19 the first time I said it, and then the second time I said it, 20 and verse 30. But we're in chapter 19 of John, the 30th verse. And we're going to look at tonight 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. Because he said in that verse, in John chapter 19 and verse 30, let me read it to you. John chapter 19 and verse 30. It's a simple verse, and you know it well. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirits. So there, when Jesus said it was finished, I'm going to show you 16 things that were finished at the cross. And Jesus knew it was done. All the prophecies concerning himself have been fulfilled through his first coming here on earth as a babe. 16 
things Jesus finished at the cross. And when he finished the last thing, he actually said, it is finished. Or here, let me put it this way. It is perfectly perfect. I did it all perfectly and perfect. And and it was finished. And then he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. So, let's read that again. When Jesus received the, the wine vinegar, the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Tele telestai, says the Latin or the Greek. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one of, the, of what was finished, the fulfillment of all scriptures and of his suffering were fulfilled. The fulfillment of all scriptures concerning his suffering have been fulfilled. That's number one. Psalm 22, I read that actually on Sunday. Psalm 22 where Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I can't read that whole thing again and we'll never get through this study tonight. And also, another scripture, Isaiah chapter 53. You know, he was despised and forsaken, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That was the picture of the suffering servant Messiah. Luke 24, 25 and 26 says this, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The prophets have spoken. Isaiah has spoken. David was a prophet in Psalm 22, and he spoke. He says, O you fools, slow of heart to believe all that the people, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning with Moses, he spoke to the men on the way to, to Emmaus the scriptures. He was showing Cleopas and the other disciple exactly that the, the Messiah had to come and he had to suffer. And a lot of people, especially the Jewish nation, have, have missed it. They have missed it that the suffering servant Messiah came. They were looking, as I said on Sunday, for a conquering king on a white horse. Instead, they got a, a meek man riding on a donkey. But the crowd knew there was something special about this guy. He was healing people. Blind people were seeing. Deaf people were hearing. Lame people were walking. Prisoners were set free. The dead were raised. The regular people knew there was something special about it, but the priests had a problem with it. And I want to turn to Deuteronomy. And this is a very, very important verse in the scriptures, and as I was saying on Sunday, I showed you that Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, was the most pinpointed accuracy of when the king will arrive in Jerusalem to be known as the king, to be, be understood by the people that he was the king, which was Palm Sunday, which we just celebrated. The 69 weeks, the 173,880 days, the 483 years pinpointed came right to Jerusalem 
on Palm Sunday, you can count it off because the day to rebuild the petition to rebuild uh, the temple and the walls in Jerusalem was actually signed on March 4th, 444 B.C. And if you count off the 173,880 days of, well, these are years of not 365, these are Babylonian years, 360, it comes out to when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, when he weeped over Jerusalem, when he rode into the into the king into his city on a donkey. And here's what Moses said before he was he was gone with the Lord. He said in verse 15 of chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, very easy for you to memorize the address and the verses. 15 through 18, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18. The Lord God this is Moses talking. The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him shall you hear. Let's go down to the 17th verse. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. Now verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet, capital P, like you from among the brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, capital H, and he, capital H, will speak to them all that I command him. When you see a capital H, a capital P, it is talking about Messiah, whether he's pre-incarnate or incarnated. If you turn over to Acts chapter 3, which is New Testament, okay, Acts chapter 3. I'll give you time to get there because i got to get time to get there. And verse 22 and 23. Here is what Dr. Luke is saying. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, capital P, like me from your brethren, him, capital H, shall you hear in all things whatever he says to you. Listen to this. This is a very convicting verse. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear this prophet, capital P, Messiah, shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. You know what that's saying? If you don't believe the prophet that Moses said was coming, that is like him, if you don't believe him, you will forfeit your soul. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. And Jesus backs it up with his words saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. And there's other scriptures that say every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Every knee is going to bow. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, you're going to see there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. You aren't saved by Moses, Isaiah, King David. You're saved by the Messiah who, who, who um, Moses is talking about is coming. 
And we also know that Moses most definitely was a prophet. And Jesus said here in Luke, Oh, you fools, slow of heart to believe that what the prophets have spoken, what Moses has spoken, what Isaiah has spoken, what David has spoken, what Ezekiel has spoken, what Micah has spoken. Oh, you who fail to, to hear, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And, Mo and Jesus began to speak to Cleopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus, seven miles. He spoke to them beginning with Moses and preached to them that the Messiah was to suffer. It's all through the scriptures. So point number one, as I said, fulfillment of all scriptures of his suffering were fulfilled. That's number one. Point number two, the defeat of Satan. Point number two of the 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. He defeated Satan. It's done. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm sorry, 1 Colossians. Or Colossians, not 1 Corinthians. Colossians. Chapter 2. You know what? I'm glad I didn't put marks in here. You know why? Because it gives you time to get there. And it gets you time to write down what, what the points are. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 through 17. Speaking of the cross. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has, capital H, that's Messiah, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath, which are the shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. See, the prophets were, were pointing out things that was a shadow of things to come. Moses was telling the Israelites, in the shadow, there's a prophet that's greater than me that's going to come. If you don't listen to him, you will lose your soul. And it's backed up by other scriptures. And it's a shadow of things to come. But the substance, what's the substance? The substance is Christ. It's the Messiah. We have John chapter 12 and verse 31. Now judgment is upon the world, and the ruler of this world has been what? Cast out. The devil has been cast out of this world. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all judgment to myself. I know it says in your Bible, all, all, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. As I tell you all the time, it's very important. The word men should be in parentheses and italics in your Bible, which means it, it was placed there by the, by the, the uh, translators. But if you look deeper, in the scriptures, it also says in your notes, probably in your Bible, it probably says something like this. 
it is it was added none of the manuscripts have that win there none of the manuscripts say if I be lifted up I will draw all men to me none of the manuscripts say men the translators added it but it's wrong it's wrong I'm not saying the scriptures are wrong I'm saying it's wrong the context of these two verses is judgment now judgment has come into the now judgment has come upon the world and the ruler of the world has been cast out and if I be lifted up instead of men judgment all judgment will come upon me all your sins we sang about it though your sins come let us reason together though your sins be red as scarlet they shall be white as snow if they be red as crimson they shall be like wool all your sin all your judgment went to Jesus if you put your faith in him and all judgment fell on him instead of you and me thank God I look back at some of the things, even now, the things I did before I was a Christian, and I go, oh, my, oh, my, thank you, Lord. You saved me from myself because I would have destroyed myself. Even you could back that up with Hebrews, you know, chapter 2 and verse 14. Turn to Hebrews, chapter 2 and verse 14. Inasmuch then... As the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, that through death he might destroy him, that's the devil, who had the power of death. That is the devil. You can back that up. Jesus destroyed him. He had the power of death. But now, John 10.10 says, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. The devil wants to destroy you, but he no longer has the power to destroy you. You put your faith in Jesus, and, and he, will, he will raise you up. He will, you know, I, I, if I be, I be lifted up, I'll draw all judgment to myself. He said, you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I came that you might have life, and you have it abundantly. Not just life, but an abundant life. An abundant life doesn't mean a condo on the beach on the French Riviera. It means joy, happiness in your heart, joy in your heart, whether you're going through tough circumstances in your life or whatever. He rendered the devil powerless. Point number three of the 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. Breaking down of the middle wall of separation. The breaking down of the middle wall of separation. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 15. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 15. Or 13. Let me start at the 13th verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, we can approach the throne of God through Christ Jesus, you know, because of the blood that he shed for us. The judgment that he took, our judgment on the cross. And he was a bloody mess. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. What's he talking about here, made the both one? 
He's talking about making the Jews who believe and the Gentiles who believe one. And that is called the church. The church isn't mentioned until, until um, you know, the book of Acts. The church is not mentioned. He broke down the middle wall of separation. What was separating us, that middle wall. The Jews thought, you know, they, they have Jehovah. The Gentiles have all kind of idols. But once they come and they believe, it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness because he had faith. Having abolished the flesh, the enmity that is in the that the law of commandments contained in its ordinances, so as to create himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. The one new man is now referred to really as the church. In verse 16, and that he might reconcile both of them to God in one body through the cross, because if the Jews believe in Christ and the Gentiles believe in Christ, they are one body putting to death the enmity or the war that was between them. And he came, preached, and he came and preached peace to those who were afar off, that's the Gentiles, and to those who were near, the Jews. For through him he we both have access by the one Spirit to the Father. We both have access through the Holy Spirit to the Father because of what Jesus did, and he finished the work on the cro- at the cross. He finished the work. See, the, the, the disciples, I think I mentioned it Sunday, the disciples who were Jews became Christians when they put their faith in Jesus. And they actually began the church. They were used by God to begin the church. And we are the people of the church. We are the saints of God. Did you know the word saint in the Bible is never used? It's always plural. The word, the name saints is always plural. It's talking about, you know, all of us. We're one group. We're one entity. We're the church. The saints Not the saint makes up the church. The saints together make up the church. Let's be specific. Ephesians 6. Okay, Ephesians 3 and verse 6. Ephesians 3 and verse 6. I'm almost actually the same page. 3 and verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. See, the, the, the Gentiles are grafted in, into, through Christ, through the gospel, which is the good news. Number four of the 16 things Jesus finished at the cross. A way for personal access to God. We're still in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 18. Ephesians chapter 2. 13 through 18, which I just read. But now in Christ Jesus you were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have have access to God through the blood of Christ. 
You know, that's exactly why the curtain in the temple, the, t- the curtain that separated the holy place where the sacrifices took place on a daily, be- a daily, daily schedule, you know, and then the Holy of Holies, which was behind the veil, where the high priest went in only one time a year. What this is saying is, but now in Christ Jesus, you were you who were once afar off and not able to go inside the curtain to the Holy Holies have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. And that curtain, when Jesus died, when he said it is finished, I believe right at that point that curtain was torn from top to bottom. So, so opening up the access... To anybody who wants to come to God, you can be brought near by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Isn't that beautiful what he did for us? You know, all these things make sense when you you think about it with an open heart. They all make sense. Nobody was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. Nobody could go there except the high priest once a year. And he better have, have... sacrificed goats and bulls and all that before he walked in there because they had to tie a rope around his feet because if they saw God in there, they'd have to pull them out because nobody was allowed in there except once a year. So he would rot in there if he wasn't pulled out in time. You know, this is, it's to go before God is holy. And the only way we can go before God is because of the holy blood that Jesus shed on the cross. That's the only way you're going to get into the presence of God. You've been brought near because you were fully, you were formerly, were far off, but now you've been brought near. Why? By the blood of Christ. Even Hebrews 10, 19, you can read to the 38th verse, chapter 10, verse 19 through 38. I'm just going to read some of it. There, since there, for brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ, by a new and a living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil. Jesus, he inaugurated it through the veil, that in his, that, that is his flesh. Let us draw near, verse 22, with full assurance of faith and a sincere heart having our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus did this all for us. And that's what Easter is all about. That's what Holy Thursday, Good Friday, I think it's Holy Saturday, they call it, and of course, Resurrection Sunday. It's all about the blood of Christ. That's why we're doing communion on Sunday. Even though we had communion once, uh, we have communion the first Sunday of every month. We're having it twice this month because it, this is holy. This is a holy week. This is the time to understand that Jesus ushered in the new covenant, fulfilling the old covenant. And that's why he cried out, it is finished. He fulfilled the old covenant that was written about his coming. And Jesus even said it. He said this. He said, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they that bear witness of me. Isn't that cool? Jesus had it all together, man. You know, 
God has it all together. Number five of the six things, uh, 16 things that Jesus finished at the cross. Number five is cancellation of the reign of death. He canceled out death. And you can read it. I'm not going to read the whole chapter here practically, but Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21. Let me read some of those verses. Number verse 12, death reigned through sin. Verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 21, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what you're made righteous by? The blood of Jesus. You aren't righteous because you went to church every Sunday or you taught Sunday school or you were born into a Christian family. It was because the righteousness to eternal life is through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can back that up with other scriptures like Romans 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 58, 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 15, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. This, this is all backed up through scriptures because you heard me say it a hundred times. You interpret scriptures by other scriptures, not by what you think, but by wh what the Word of God says and fills in all the blanks. Number six. Number six of the 16 things Jesus finished at the cross when he cried out, it is finished and gave up the ghost. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 23. Again, I'm just going to read a couple verses for you in that passage. For he who has died is free from sin. You know why? Your sins were washed away if you believe in Christ. You are free from sin. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. The cancellation of sin's power. You have now the authority to walk in the newness of life. You have a new life. Jesus said it. You must be born again. And even Nicodemus, the teacher, the, listen, the teacher in Israel didn't understand it. He had to go to Jesus. What do you mean? What do you mean? I can't enter back into my mother's womb. I'm an old man probably. Uh, my mother's gone. How could I do that? Well, Jesus said that which is born of flesh is flesh. Yeah, you were born of your mother. You were flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. That happens sometime during your life when you actually believe in, the, in God. You actually put your faith in him. For verse 14, so sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. See, we're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God. You, the, 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 sin's power has no dominion over you now. You've been born again. Sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. You know, you don't have to be mastered by sin because you've got the Holy Spirit in you when you receive Christ as your Savior. And the same Holy Spirit, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead actually raised you from the dead because you were dead until you lived and believed in Christ. 
You are a walking dead man until your spirit comes alive by putting your faith in Christ. Then you, then you are born again because you were born of flesh and now you're born of the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from sin and death. You've been set free from sin and death. You are in the spirit man sinless because your spirit's going to go to heaven because it's clean, because you were born again. Your body's going to die and it's going to turn to dust. But God's promises in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, that he's going to raise the dead, the those that are in Christ from the dead. The trumpet shall sound and the dead shall rise up. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I'm going to turn there and read that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Here's what Paul is saying. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Don't be unaware. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. What he's saying there is even though they're dead, they're alive if they have faith in Christ. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So they're already with him. The spirit man's already there. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So those bodies, the peace, all the spirits of, of all the dead in Christ are coming back with him. Okay? And he's going to raise their bodies from the grave. And they're going to be reunited in the heavens. And then we who are alive and remain and be in Christ, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the clouds. We'll be gone from this place. You won't die. Your body and your spirit's going right to heaven because, you know, I don't know if you'll be left there with all your clothes will be on the floor and you'll be dressed in a white robe. I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen because the Word of God says so. And it's backed up by other scriptures like 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, we can back these up with the other scriptures. And Romans even talked about it. I think it's chapter 8. Listen, we be caught up to meet the Lord in, in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. That means we aren't coming back to this place as you know it now. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, I'm going to comfort you with these words. If you're in Christ, you're going to, your body's going to die, but your spirit's immediately going to heaven because to be absent from the body is present from the Lord, says the Scriptures. Okay? So that means you immediately, your spirit goes to be with God. Your body is going to rot away. Jesus had a perfect example of that because he died. His body was in the grave, but he was out doing work, wasn't he? He was out, you know, 
bringing people. He led the captives who were captive home to the kingdom of heaven. He led them captive, and he gave gifts to those men. He was out doing work, but his body's in the grave. Three days later, it's a picture of, of us also. For if you're dead in Christ, you know, someday your spirit's going to be reunited with your body, just like your spirit was reunited in Jesus' body. And four day, three days later, he came back to life. Same thing. That's a, a, a picture of our resurrection also, the bodily resurrection and the spiritual resurrection. Even 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, 54 through 58, the sting of death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow, he canceled out sin's power over us. Sin has no power over you. You can conquer your sin, whether you're a drug addict, a pervert, whether you're a liar, you, you can have authority over your sin. Sin does not have to master you. You have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. You have the same Spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead. And Romans 8, 11 tells, says that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. You can also back that up with other scriptures like 1 Peter 4, 1, 1 Peter 2, 21, Hebrews 5, 8 through 10. Let me read you 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Jesus suffered in the flesh, you've been suffering in the flesh, and you have been ceased from sin. You're trying to get rid of it. You're trying to get rid of your, who knows, alcoholism, your, your uh, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, drugs, alcohol, lust. We're trying to get victory over that. You have, you know, um, he, who has, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You're struggling against it. You're trying to get rid of it. 1 Peter 2.21, For you have been called to, for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. He was your example for you to follow in His footsteps. Over number, you know, number seven, which is demonstration of obedience and love to death. Number seven of the 16 things Christ has finished. Demo he demonstrated, he gave you a demonstration of obedience and love to your death. And he did that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. For being found in the appearance of a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. He demonstrated his obedience and his love for the Father, even to his death, and for us, even to his death. Number eight of the 16 things. I think we're going to be into this next week, too. We'll finish the other um, seven or eight next week. 16, number eight of the 16 things Christ finished at the cross from John chapter 19 and verse 30. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. 
Number eight is perfection of Christ. The perfection of Christ. Hebrews 2.10. For it was fitting for him who are all things and through whom all are all things and bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. See, Jesus is the author of their salvation through suffering. And Hebrews 5, verse 9, And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as high priest, high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He's the high priest. Number nine of 16 things that Jesus finished at the cross. Number nine, salvation from all sin. Thanks be to God for that one. Ephesians 1, 7. Ephesians, I'll read it from the, from the book here. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through the blood. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, not by teaching Sunday school on Sunday, not by perfect church attendance, not by anything else, but you are in him you are redeemed through his blood. That's the blood that Jesus said, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So you have been redeemed through the blood. Your sins were forgiven. And now you and the spirit man are holy. First Thessalonians 5.9, let's let me prove to you for a fact that, that you are a triune being. First Thessalonians. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you or set you apart completely. May he sanctify you or set you apart completely. And may your whole spirit, your whole soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, you're a spirit man. You're a, you're, you also have a body. And you also have a soul. Just like God as a triune being. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely. Here's the complete part. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. You are a triune being just like God, a triune being. Salvation from sin is point number nine. We can back that up with Revelation chapter 5, the second part of that verse, to him who loved us and released us from all our sins by his blood. The blood is so important. And you know what? There's a lot of churches that don't want to preach on the blood. But the blood of Christ is why you're saved. So if you aren't 
hearing about the blood of Christ, you are missing out on the meat of the Scriptures. And you may even miss being saved because you haven't capitalized on the blood. It's the blood that washes you away. You heard me say it in my prayer coming up here and also from the pulpit. As Isaiah said, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. They, if they're red like crimson, they shall be like, like, like wool. Listen, your sins are forgiven by the blood. He released us from all our sins, Revelation 1.5b, by the blood. That's the blood of Christ. You can back that up with other scriptures because, you know, you interpret scripture by scripture, as I always say, Matthew 26, 28, Hebrews 9, 15, Revelation 5, 9 through 10, and many more. That's about the blood. You know, I'm probably going to start preaching on the blood again, you know, um, down the road. I'm going to end it here because its time is up, and we'll continue with the other six uh, things next week. Okay? So, for all of you online, please tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. and get your Bibles out, Matthew chapter 28. And also, get yourself a cracker and some, some juice because we're going to all have communion together. We'd love it if you were here, but if you're not here, we can still have fellowship and over the Internet or have communion together over the Internet. So, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this. Is, there's a lot in this, pa- in this passage, just in this one verse, Lord. There's a lot here, and it was probably hard for us to understand, some of us. But, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to reveal these things to us and to show us that we're saved by the blood of Christ. We're saved by putting our faith in him, by grace, through faith in what Jesus has done at the cross. Lord, as I prayed earlier, may many people who don't know this uh, attend a Bible-preaching church, and may they find out this Sunday they need to receive Christ Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, and then we'll all be in heaven together with you. That's why you came, because you so loved the world that you gave your Son that he might redeem us from the penalty of our sin through our faith in what he has done for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. See you Sunday. Love you all.